Morning. Well, it's so cold, you're not going to fall asleep during the message, so that's encouraging for me. Hey, you know what? For uh, many relationships, there is a moment in the relationship that changes everything, where everything changes. And it's a moment that when it happens, things are either going to get much better or they're going to get much worse. It's in this moment when the future of the relationship will either flourish for years to come or the relationship is going to die within minutes of this moment. What is that moment, you ask? It's the moment when one person in the relationship says the words, I love you. Oh, isn't this such a profound moment, right? Such a profound moment in a relationship. One person in the relationship has come to the conclusion that they love the other person and they want to communicate it. But it's so, such a nervous moment. It, it's, a, a, it's a moment that's filled with anxiety because you're not sure how the other person's going to respond, are you? What will they say back to you? Will they, will they respond with an I love you? Will they respond at all? After you say the words I love you, will this be the last time you ever see this person? All right? Do you remember the first time you said the words I love you to someone? My wife had to help me remember the details of the first time I said I love her this past week. It's only been seven years or almost eight years, I guess, since I said those words. But we had been dating for a while, and on this particular day, we were getting ready to kind of part ways and leave. And so uh, I was going to close our time together by praying. I said, well, let me pray for us because, you know, I'm super spiritual like that. And... Uh, <laughs> Really, I was just putting on a good front, okay? Uh, and so uh, I'm told that's what uh, women like. So, um, so I, I close in prayer, and I'm praying for us. And while I'm praying for us, I say the words, I love you, in the prayer. It went something like this. I'm not kidding. It went something like this. I said, uh, Father, I'm thankful for this relationship. Thanks for introducing Paige and I. And, and uh, Father, you know I love this woman. And so I opened my eyes up, and I looked at her, and then she opened her eyes up and looked at me, and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, at that moment, like, the dam's been broken. Like, there's no turning back, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, the cat's out of the bag. And so I looked at her, and then just uh, we had a special moment. Tears filled my eyes, and, and I said, Paige, I love you. And I'm not sure if she said it back to me. Uh, I can't remember. But we're, we're married, so it worked out for me. Um, but why is saying the words, I love you, such a vulnerable and profound moment in a relationship? I think it's because that short three-word sentence is one of the most powerful words that we can say, one of the most powerful sentences we could ever speak. And we're in a series called Relatively Speaking, and in this series, we're looking at the powerful effect our words can have on our relationships. We're taught as children, sticks and stones may... Break your bones, but words will. That is such a lie. Why, why do we lie to children so much? That's not true at all, is it? No, our words are powerful. Our words have the power to hurt or to heal. Our words have the power to curse. Our words have the power to bless. Our words have the power to build up or to tear down. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of the words we speak. Here's a few passages from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. That's a strong statement. Our words have tremendous power. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk. How much? Any. None. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. James 1.26 says this, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. The point is this, our words are important. And our words have the power to build up and add value to people's lives. And I would think that you could make an argument that there may be no more valuable words that we could speak than the words, I love you. So here's the question I have for you here this morning, though. Who is it in your life that needs you to say the words, I love you? Who needs to hear the words, I love you, from you? How would you fill in this blank? How would you finish this sentence? I love you. Oh, we don't have that. That's right. I forgot. That's right. Never mind. Ah. Uh, so how would you finish the sentence, I love you? I love you who? Whose name would you put in there? I mean, as you sit here this morning, whose name do you need to write here? Is it your spouse? Is it your mom or your dad? Is it your brother or sister? Is it your son or daughter? Is it a close friend? Who needs in your life, in this season of your life, needs to hear, hear the words, I love you, from you? Here's what I want to do. I want to pause right now and just quickly pray. And uh, I want to ask the Lord to lay on your heart over the next few minutes uh, a name of somebody that, that, that he may be calling you to say I love you to. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful for the reminder this morning that our words have the power of life and death. And God, I trust that you have plans for each of our lives, and I trust that you have each of us here this morning for a reason. I trust each of us are hearing this message, I love you, for uh, a specific purpose. Lord, I, I sense that maybe there's people in our lives, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, who they need to hear us say the words, I love you, to them. Lord, would you lay on each of our hearts and our minds one individual, Lord, one person in our life that we need to intentionally say the words, I love you. Would you do that, Lord? I pray that you would bless the rest of this message in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I'm going to give you four reasons why every Christian should say the words, I love you. I'm going to give you four reasons why you should say the words, I love you, to that individual. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles or if you want to grab one from underneath you, uh, from underneath one of the chairs around you, uh, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. You know, some of you say the words, I love you, all the time. Uh, saying I love you comes fairly easy for me. But for some of us, the words I love you isn't always the easiest phrase to say. Some of us sometimes struggle to say the words I love you. Sometimes even in the relationships we value the most with the people we love deeply, we have a hard time saying the words I love you. Well, why is that? What are the obstacles that are keeping you and me from, from at times saying I love you? I think there are a few reasons. Which of these would describe you? Maybe it's just, it's risky. It's a risky statement to say. Maybe you've said it before and you've been rejected and you're uh, afraid to say it again. Maybe saying the words, I love you, is awkward for you because you didn't grow up hearing those words and saying, I love you, to, to, it just feels a little foreign to you and it feels awkward. Maybe it feels like uh, talk is cheap, you know, and you say, hey, I show it, I don't need to say it. And 
and, you, and so you don't think you need to say the words. Or maybe you're hurt, and maybe you're withholding the words, I love you, from someone, and, and it's at a passive-aggressive attempt of punishing the other person for the way they've hurt you or what they've done to you. Maybe you don't say I love you because, simply because you've forgotten. I mean, you've just taken the people in your life for granted. You've just taken it for granted that the people in your life know that you love them. Well, these three words are powerful, and I think they need to be spoken. Now, the meaning of the words, I love you, have been greatly diluted in our culture. Would you agree with that? I think it's because we diluted the meaning of the word love. We love everything, don't we? We love coffee. How many of you love coffee? How many of you are drinking coffee right now? Half the room. Some of you came in. You don't drink coffee. It was so cold. You said, I'm going to start drinking coffee today. And you went and got a cup of coffee. But we say, we say, I love coffee. We, uh, I got a new pair of boots a couple weeks ago. I say, I love these boots. We love movies. We love music. We love our clothes. We love homes and cars. We love our favorite pen. We love everything. One minute, I can be sitting at my kitchen table eating a pumpkin spice cake donut from Jack's Donuts, by far the greatest donut man has ever made. And I can say to my wife, honey, I love this donut. And then five minutes later, I could be heading out the door and say, hey, honey, I love you. I've just compared my wife to a donut. I think we've, I think we've really messed with the meaning of the word love. We've lost the true meaning of love in our culture. And I think as Christ followers, we, we need to understand, and I think it's important for us to know, what we are saying from a biblical perspective when we say the words, I love you. So let's turn to 1 John chapter 4 and get a biblical view of love. There's a lot of different passages throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible that you could turn to. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4. We're going to pick it up at verse 7 and 8. Follow along as I read. Dear friends, John writes, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The first thing that we learn about biblical love from this passage is that it's a command. That's reason number one why we should say the words, I love you, to the people we love, is because we are commanded to love one another. When John says, let us love one another, he's not suggesting it. He's not hinting at it. He's commanding it. And he's only passing along the command that Jesus gave to him. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus uh, was asked the question, Jesus, what's, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Someone asked Jesus. And he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets. What Jesus is saying in this moment is the entire Old Testament hangs on these two commands, loving God and loving people. Jesus said to love is the greatest commandment of all. And so saying the words, I love you, is just one application of the greater command that we are called to obey. And the truth is, the primary way biblical love is presented in the New Testament is one of action. There are over 41 others of Scripture in the New Testament, phrases like love, uh, serve one another, forgive one another, Bear with one another. Be patient with one another. These are all ways that we show our love to one another. But we're not called to just show it. We're called to say it as well. Now, why? Why does God command us to love? Well, let's look back at the text in 1 John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 7 and 8 again. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another. For love, here's the key phrase, love comes from God. 
And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is what? God is love. I want you to see that love originates from God. I don't care what the culture says. The whole idea of love originated from God. And the reason we're commanded to love is because that's who God is. God is love. It's, it's, it's what makes him who he is. It's his DNA. So when we become a child of God, when we are born of God, we now possess his DNA. And love is now supposed to make the Christian what makes us who we are. Love is the defining mark of a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said it himself in John 13. Look what he says. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So a natural result of knowing God and being a child of God is that you love people. An apple tree will produce apples. Being a child of God and loving people is inseparably linked. And that's the second reason we should say, I love you, because it shows our DNA as a child of God. When we love people... When we say the words, I love you, we are showing our DNA as a child of God. And this should be a motivation for us. This should, we should be motivated to show others that we know and that we love God. We're living out our DNA then. We're living out of our identity in Jesus. And the apostle John in this passage says, whoever does not love does not know God. Did you catch that? Look back at verse uh, 8. He says, whoever does not love, does not know God. Wow. This is a point where we need to stop and examine ourselves. You know, from time to time, when you study the Bible, there will be a passage or a phrase that will leave an impression on you. And it's at that point when you need to stop and evaluate your life and make the necessary adjustments. I think this is one of those phrases. He says, whoever does not love, does not know God. Now, what's John saying here? Here's what John is not saying. John is not saying if you ever fail to love someone or if you miss an opportunity to love or if you do something unloving to someone, then you don't know God. I don't think that's what John is saying. But what John is saying here is this, is when you fail to love someone, when you miss an opportunity to show love, it's in that moment that you have failed to remember the love of God that the reason you are unloving as a Christian in those moments is because you have failed to remember the love that God has shown you. So what love has God shown us? Look at verse 9 and 10. Verse John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. What did he do? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, John says, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, by far, the greatest image or the greatest definition of love, the purest definition of love is the cross. Now, how does the cross relate to saying the words, I love you? Well, I think Paul Miller sums it up really well in his book, Love Walked Among Us. He says this, quote, love begins not with loving, but with being loved. Being loved gives you the freedom and the resources to love. We can only give what we have received, Miller says. And so the next time you are faced with an opportunity to love someone, remember the cross. I've even started using that phrase in my own life in recent weeks, remember the cross. When I'm in a moment 
where I feel like doing something unloving or when I feel like I'm not, uh, like I don't want to do what I know I'm supposed to do, I just kind of repeat to myself, remember the cross, Kevin. Remember the cross. It's a great practical prayer for you to pray in a moment where you're struggling to love someone Remember the cross, because it was on the cross where God actively demonstrated his love to us. God sent Jesus to die on the cross, but who did he send his his son to die on the cross for? Who did Jesus die on the cross for? For you and for me. Sometimes we think that uh, he just randomly did that, but God's love was directed towards us. It wasn't just a random act of kindness. Could you imagine throwing a football with no one to catch it? How fun would that be, (laughs) right? The God of the universe directed his love toward you and me. God's love is satisfied and fulfilled in us. Can you catch this? True love can only be expressed in the context of relationship. I love this phrase one author says. He says, love is never satisfied except in the welfare of others. Love is never satisfied except in the welfare of others. Love gives to others. Love blesses others. Love seeks the good of another person. And when we love, we plan to do them good. We reflect on their needs and how to help them. And Jesus actively sought our welfare when he died on the cross and erased our debt. Verse 10 there, he said, this is is God's love, that he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Don't you notice it's God sent. Do you know what? Biblical love gives. It doesn't take. Biblical love is about asking the question, what can I give? You know, the kind of love we often see in our culture today is the kind that takes. The predominant question in our culture today is, what's in it for me? It permeates every fabric of our society. It permeates every message that our culture is sending, every commercial that you watch. At the heart of it, it gets the person to ask the question, what's in it for me? This is the consumer mentality that is rampant in our world today, and it's affecting our relationships. And there's a big difference, catch this, there's a big difference between being a consumer and being a receiver. A consumer doesn't return the favor. A receiver returns the favor. With the consumer, the gift ends. The person who consumes just uses it all for themselves. But with the receiver, the gift is shared and given again. It's advanced down the field. The difference is the heart. The difference is at the heart. It's all about the character and the nature. Because true love gives, it doesn't take. Well, what did God give? He gave his one and only son. Why? Because God saw that we had a need that that could not be met apart from him. You know, the, you know the well-known verse, John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he so loved you and me, that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life so that we could gain life. I like this phrase that came to me in the last couple of weeks as I've been studying this. Love is a pattern of relating in a life-giving way. If you're taking notes, write this down. Love is a pattern of relating in a life-giving way. To love means to relate to someone in a way that gives him or her life. This is what God did did for us. It says that God demonstrated his love for us, and he gave his life for us. And so we have an obligation as children of God to love the same way. And that's the third reason why we should love others by saying, I love you, is because we are are obligated to do it. We are obligated to do it because God did it for us. Look back at 1 John 4, verse 11 and 12. 
Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. That word ought there, or that word, uh, it, it basically means to owe or to bring or to be in debt for or to, to pay that which is due. Listen, y'all, we owe it to God and to others to love them the way God loved us. We have an obligation as God's children with his DNA in us, with Christ living in us, to love others the way he loved us. Tim Keller says this. Tim Keller says that because of the cross, the verdict is in. He loves me and he accepts me. And because he loves me and accepts, accepts me, I do not have to do the things just to, I don't have to do things just to build up my resume or to make myself feel better about myself. I don't have to do things to make myself look good. I can do things for the joy of doing them. I can help people just to help them. Not so I can feel better about myself, so I can fill up my own emptiness. What Tim Keller's getting at is this. Because you have received the love of God from the cross, it gives you what you need to love others. God has declared that we are good at the cross, and we don't have to work to be good, but now we can do good to others. This is the gospel message. This is what it means to say, I love you to others. We can bring life to someone else. I read a book this past week uh, on, it's called Attachments, and, and basically it, it's designed to, uh, the book, the message of the book is what, what, what makes us who we are as humans? And one of the phrases in there really caught my attention. The author says, the fundamental need of the human heart, the fundamental need, the primary need of your heart and mind is this, is to be loved and accepted. Seems, seems pretty simple, doesn't it? The fundamental need of the human heart is to be loved and accepted. The people in your life and my life are asking the question, are you there for me? Do you accept me? Can I count on you? Do you really care about me? Am I worthy of your love and your protection? What do I have to get? What do I have to do to get your attention and your affection? So let me come back to that question again. Who in your life needs to hear you say the words, I love you? On the morning of May 5th, in 2000, hundreds of thousands of people around the world received an email. And when they opened it, they immediately wished they had not opened the email. It turned out to be a virus. And the virus spread across Asia and Europe and the United States, and it clogged up web servers, and it caused IT problems. It shut down systems. It hit every major business sector from Fortune 500 companies to the Department of Defense, even the CIA. Worldwide, it affected over 45 million computers, and it caused an estimated $8 billion in damage. Do you remember this? What was the secret? What was behind this virus? It was three simple words in the subject line. The subject of that email that everybody opened, 45 million people opened, was, I love you. Now, why would 45 million people fall for that and open that email? Don't overcomplicate it. I think it's really simple because everyone wants to hear the words, I love you, spoken to them. And they were curious to know who was saying that. By saying the words, I love you, you and I have an opportunity to relate to people in life-giving ways. Ephesians 4.29 says this. We saw it earlier. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. 
Listen, we all have a need, and the need is to be loved and accepted, and we all need to hear the words, I love you. And so again, who in your life needs to hear those words? Let me give you four practical uh, scenarios or different types of people in your life for you to consider intentionally saying the words I love you to, okay? Number one, someone you say I love you to all the time, but it's really just become a salutation, Right? Something you say at the, end of a con- uh, f- uh, at the end of a conversation or a- a- as you're getting ready to hang up the phone or before you leave the house, uh, those are the people you say love. How many, how, many, how many would you say, gosh, I do that all the time, right? It's become, um, so I'm talking to my wife on the phone and before we hang up, hey, I love you, I love you too, bye. Or I'm getting ready to walk out the door, hey, I love you, honey, I love you too, bye. Right? Sometimes for most of us, I think most of us probably fit in this bucket, that most of us saying the words I love you to our loved ones, it's just become a salutation. And so as I was thinking about who was my one person in the last couple of weeks and was praying about this, uh, one person came to my mind, and it was my mom. Now, I say I love you to my mom all the time, all the time, but it's become a salutation. And as I prepared for this message, I really was prompted that I needed to intentionally reach out to her and say I love, to you, love, her, love you to her. And so I was uh, on the way home one day, and it just was so prompted by, felt by the Lord, I said, okay, I'm going to call her right now. I was actually walking through Meyer, stopping in the grocery, uh, grocery on the way home. I'm walking through Meyer, and I called my mom. Hey, mom. Hey, honey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Hey, listen, um, I'm calling for a reason, okay? Mom, I just want you to know... Um, I want you to know, and I got, I got choked up in the moment, and uh, I said, I want, I want you to know I love you. I just want you to know I love you. I'm just calling you to tell you I love you. She said, is there something wrong? <laughs> she said, are you sick or something? <laughs> mom, no, mom, right? Isn't this the point, right? I said, no, mom, no. No, I just wanted you to know that I love you. And she goes, well, thank you, honey. I love you, too. (laughs) And she hung up the phone. We hung up the phone. And a few minutes later, she texted me back. And she said, "Um, that made my day. Who do you need to intentionally say I love you to? Right? I mean, to really look them in the eye and to say, I love you. Who needs to hear that? The second type of person maybe you need to say the words I love you to is someone you really love but you've never said the words. There are some of you in the room. You've never said the words, I love you, to the people you love. You need to say them. It is not okay to just simply say, well, they know I love them. I show it with my life. That's not okay. So you need to simply take the time, carve out some time, and say the words, I love you. Here's how you say it. It was a difficult message to, to preach on, I love you. Do, you. do you do a how message or a why message? Well, I chose a why message, but let me give you one how. Okay, everybody, everybody pay attention? I love you. Did you catch that? Here, I'll, I'll do it again. I love you. I mean, I'm being facetious, right? But some of you, that's, that's a simply, but, but you simply need to simply say the words, I love you. Let me give you a third person. Someone you need to say I love you to is someone who's hurt you and your conversation and your relationship, uh, your, your relationship is on the rocks. And by saying the words I love you, you will bring healing to the relationship and you'll be able to express your forgiveness. Look at what Proverbs 16, 24 says. 
Proverbs 16, 24 says this, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Maybe there's somebody in your life and your relationship has been on the rocks and there's been some tension there and you need to break the ice by saying, hey, I want you to know in spite of our differences, in spite of the challenges that we have faced, I want you to know I love you. Let me give you the fourth person, uh, fourth scenario uh, is for parents to say I love you to your children. If you have older children, consider taking them out for breakfast or lunch or dinner and simply take them out have a meal with them, and tell them that you love them. Or if you have little ones like me, maybe you can uh, do something unique specifically that would reach them and reach their uh, level. Maybe you're going to make a homemade card for a toddler or something, and you can do something that will communicate to them that I love you and that I treasure you. Parents need to hear, parents need to say the words, I love you to their children. So just four different scenarios. Maybe there's some different scenario you need to uh, consider in your life. Well, let me draw your attention to one more word in that First John passage. We're going to end on this. First John chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. I'm going to draw your word to the last word in uh, uh, here, the word complete. So verse 12 says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Ah, it's a powerful word. The word complete means to accomplish, to bring to an end, to bring fulfillment. And here's the fourth reason why we should say I love you. Because when we say the words I love you, we accomplish God's mission. We accomplish his intended purpose for what he wanted to do for us on the cross. You know what it's like to accomplish a goal or complete a project and to step back and go, like some of you have been raking leaves for like, you know, weeks now, and you finally have gotten, you've gotten all the, all the leaves raked, and you step back and you look and you go, ah, the job is complete. That feeling that you have, that's what John's getting at when he says God's love is made complete. And, and the idea is this, that God didn't just die on the cross so that his love would end with us, but we as disciples of Jesus, are called to go and extend that love to others. And when we do, our Heavenly Father sits back and goes, ah, that's complete. That's complete. So let me ask one last time, who do you need to say the words, I love you to? I'm going to close uh, by bringing your attention to Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew 3, 17. We're getting ready to take communion today. And when we take communion... The purpose when we take communion is to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus said, I love you. And so when we take communion, we're remembering how God demonstrated his love to us. But sometimes I think we just think that God said, I love you to us way back in history 2,000 years ago on the cross. And I want you to know that I think he wants to say those words to you today. I think he wants to hear, you say the, hear him say the words, I love you to you. In Matthew 3, 17, this is what the Father said to Jesus. It's at his baptism, and as he comes up out of the water, a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. I'm just fascinated. This is my favorite verses. I'm fascinated by this, and I'm fascinated by it because I've always asked my question, myself the question, why did the Father say that to Jesus? Why did the Father tell Jesus he loved him? I think it's simple. He needed to hear it. I think that's not the only reason. There's multiple reasons, but I think if you had to boil it down and simplify it, Jesus needed to hear his father say, I love you. The father spoke to Jesus three times audibly throughout his life. Two of the three times he said these words, I love you, I love you, 
And as a Christian, who put your, if you put your faith and your trust in Christ, when, you sell, when we celebrate communion, what we're doing is we're trying to position ourselves so that we once again hear our Father say and that we remind ourselves that our Father says to Jesus, uh, says to us, just as he says to Jesus, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you. And so over the, this next song, uh, you're going to be handed little cup with bread and juice. And you can take communion anytime you're ready over the course of this next song. And as you take the bread and as you drink the juice, I want you to remember the cross. And I want you to remember and hear God say to you today, I love you.